Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Real Sports Guys, where Real Guys Talk Sports, RSG Renegade Radio. It's your host, Marcus the Game Changer, and one-third of the illustrious three-man booth. Before we get into the proceeding this evening, allow me to say you could have been anywhere in the world, but you are here with us, and we appreciate your patronage. Uh, before we get into all the things that we are going to get into, allow me to introduce the other two-thirds of the illustrious three-man booth. To my right, I got my man, D. Wills. Holler at the people. Feeling good, fellas. Ready to get in. We had a we had a, one of them hot shows last week. I just want to try to you know play my role and you know see if I can hit a double double tonight. <laughs> right, right. See if you can go for ten and ten. Do a, get get your Dale Davis on. Right, there's, there's a record for you, Dale Davis. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, on my left to my flank, I got my man Phil T Sports P A D. What's happening, brother? Man, I'm I'm a bit fired up. I just watched again for probably the ninth time. I watched the thirty for thirty on Spike Lee and Reggie Miller on those Pacers New York Knicks Knicks matchups in the nineties. Just how violent they were. So you when you bring up Dale Davis, you know that cat was happy setting screens and uh, yeah. just, just called the havoc. It was uh, it right. was fun, man, watching that. It was just so intense to see Ewing and Mason and Oakley and the Davis boys, and uh, yeah, so it's got me in a good a good state of mind. And yo, man, there were some certified battles. When you think about the beef, you talk about on the Knicks side, you got Anthony Mason who loves to fight. We all know this. This is well documented, <laughs> <laughs> right? You got Anthony right. Mason who loves to fight. You got Charles Barkley, who's a, I mean, Charles Oakley, who's an OG enforcer, right? This dude is the beta of enforcers. You know what I'm saying? That's right. And then you got you got Pat. And on the other side, you know, you got the Duncan Dutchman. You got Smith, you know. And then you got the Davis boys. I mean, and these are two dudes who are both 6'10", both 250, 260, chiseled, cut up. Man, going in the lane, I think not. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm shooting jumpers all day. I am not going into the paint against them dudes, man. It was a lot of it was a lot it was a lot going on in the paint in them series, man. That was crazy. That was crazy. Yeah, yeah man. Those yeah. were the days. Those were the days. I mean, yeah. Even the guys in the backcourt had some attitude, man. Doc Williams, yeah. uh What's what's the cat name? Harper. I used to play in Dallas. That spent his last few years in New York. Derek Harper. Yep. Derek Harper. Yeah, Harper. Mark Jackson. Greg Anthony. I mean, <laughs> everybody in that court was just one one bad stare away from a fight. 
<laughs> right, right. Every game was on the verge of malice in the palace. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, even the man. coaches were feisty. You know, you look at yeah. Riley and, and Larry Brown and Van Gundy. <laughs> Van Gundy, every time I see him for a split second, I think about when it was a fight against Miami. <laughs> Back, back when, you know, the, the Knicks had a great rivalry with Miami as well when Morning was there. And uh, Van Gundy grabbed Morning around the ankle and just. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And just held on. Like, he wasn't he wasn't right. accomplishing anything. He wasn't accomplishing anything. He wasn't stopping any momentum. He wasn't holding anybody back. He wasn't preventing any punches from being thrown. He was just hanging on. Like, literally, just there was yeah. no purpose for him to be there other than just hang on. <laughs> And honestly, when when he and Mark Jackson are doing games, I hated to see Mark get fired last year, but a comfort for me was to see that, you know, um, bring Van Gundy and Jackson together doing games on ABC and ESPN. Because if you yeah. watch, you know, normally every other telecast, Mark Jackson will slip something in referencing that. Uh, you know, especially with that. And, and Coach, we know – we know you like to hold on in bad spaces. You know, it's always a real slick reference. I love it. I love it. It's just one of those things. It's hard to live down, man. It's on footage of you grabbing another man's ankles and just hanging off. Yeah. Oh, yeah, man. Those are some classic rivalries, man. I mean, back then, if you wasn't looking to fight, you wasn't looking to win. I mean, you talk about the Heat right. and the Knicks, the Knicks and the Pacers. It was just – it was a grinded-out era, man. You know, to the point where you had your point guard, Mark Jackson in, in particular, he was posting up from inline to inline. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He used to post up and bring the ball at the court. Like, come on, man, just turn around and dribble. You can't see nothing going on. <laughs> You know, talking about that era, just how physical it was, again, I was watching the 30 for 30 with the bad boys, Detroit Pistons, uh, probably for the fifth time um, last week, and they were just showing Lambeer. And you all probably remember this game against the Celtics where stuff was going back and forth, and they showed this clip where Robert Parrish for the Celtics is just coming down the court looking to get a rebound, but really he's looking just to hit Lambeer. And for a split second, for a split second, he tried to hide it. But then at some point, he just said, I don't care. I'm just going to hit him in the back of his head. And then there's this fight, and then they show the next clip, and both of them are in the game. Nobody got kicked out. Nobody got wounded. You know, there there was no technical foul. These cats just, you know, split them up. The referee split them up, and they started to play again. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's just, it, it was just different. I mean, young guy, young young folks don't understand it. It was just different. You're right. Like there was a scuffle. You break them up, and they keep playing. Like nobody had to issue a statement. You know what I mean? Nobody was, you know, nobody had to apologize. Nobody was fined. Nobody was suspended. It just happened. You know, guys got into it. Let's break it up. We keep playing. You know, the game goes on. Very different era. Very different era. You know, contrasting then, you had to have a front line or else you were at a disadvantage, mm-hmm. where today it's almost a disadvantage to have two bigs on the court at once. You know what I mean? Unless one of them can shoot threes. <laughs> you know what I mean? You, now you, if you've got two bigs on the floor at the same time, you look at the Detroit Pistons now. You know, they got Drummond, Monroe, Josh Smith. You think that's a team for the 80s right there. 
Yeah, you know, that's the front line that you throw out in the 80s. Nowadays, you know, that, you're at a disadvantage. You're playing that many bigs. So it's, it's, the game has evolved or devolved or how it's changed, however you want to look at it. Um, let's go ahead and get into everything we got to get into tonight. You listen to the Real Sports Guys, realsportsguys.com, RSG, Renegade Radio, in your house, the last show of 2014 for the listeners out there. The next time we catch you, we'll catch you on the other side of the new year. So, you know, happy holidays and, and whatever you celebrate. Uh, make sure you have a, a very joyous and happy one and fulfilling one. And uh, we'll catch you on the other side. But before we do, before we let you go for the year, we're going to blaze a hot show for you. All right? So let me give you the quick rundown of what we have in store for you. This is our promise to you that these are the things that we will cover in this podcast tonight. All right, first up. We're going to talk about the Golden State Warriors and their mercurial rise to the top of the NBA. And we're going to put them under the RSG microscope and really dig into, is this a, is this a contending team? You know, they, they're coming off the 16-game win streak. They lost last night to Memphis, which is another very good squad that we need to talk about. But uh, we're, going to, we're going to talk about, is this team for real? Do they have a real shot to contend? Uh, we're going to get into that. We'll hit you off with the dog of the week. Follow that up with some more NBA talk. You know, the NBA is approaching Christmas. Christmas really is the time where you really start to lock into the league. You know, everybody's got knocked off the rust. Um, teams are starting to gel. And now, you know, it's, start, it's really time to start kind of paying attention to the NBA. Up until that point, it's football time. Um, the fantasy football playoffs are wrapped, uh, usually have wrapped up. Um, so Christmas time is always the time to get into the hoops, uh, Christmas Day games. So we're going to start talking some NBA heavy uh, tonight. Then we're also going to talk, we're going to get into five on the black hand side. We're going to talk, in a, we're going to hit you with some NFL talk there. And that'll probably carry us to the end of the show. Um, we're going to go low time, uh, not, we're going to go quality over quantity tonight. Uh, so sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Now, guys, the Golden State Warriors, before we get into it, let me get our funky editorial sound so we can get this going right. We're going to talk about the Warriors in a second, all they've accomplished in this early season, which has been phenomenal. It has just been phenomenal. So let me get this sound up real quick and get us going. Fellas, the one thing we need to say, shall we say it, y'all? Melvin, Jimmy, Coleman, Ryan, sit! Everybody want to get funky one more time! All right, all right. This edition of the Funky Editorial is brought to you by On The Rocks and Rocks for Illinois. Make sure you hit up our man, Craig Sockwell, at On The Rocks and Rocks for Illinois. Great food, great people, great music. Check them out. Tell them RSG sent you. All right, fellas. The Golden State Warriors are coming off of a 16-game win streak. They're 21-3. and The best team in the league best team in the Western Conference, boasting an explosive backcourt with the Splash Brothers. Klay Thompson, who's averaging around 22 points a game, and Steph Curry, who's averaging just under 23 points a game. You have these two anchoring the team, and then you have Andrew Bogut down low. You got Andre Iguodala, who's actually coming off the bench and playing a great role. You got Draymond Green, who's been starting in place of an injured David Lee, who they still need to get back on the floor. You have a young Harrison Barnes who's out there playing major minutes. So you have a very interesting, very interesting pieces um, on this team. 
first off, just give me hey, – you have a new coach, Steve Kerr coming in, um, replacing Mark Jackson, who did a great job, in my opinion, with this group last year, winning 50-plus games. Um, seemed to have some dissension between himself and the ownership group, um, which led to him being uh, let go. They bring in Steve Kerr, and they have taken their game to another level. Um, they're one of the best offensive teams in the league and surprisingly one of the best defensive teams in the league. I have some numbers yeah. I'll throw at you guys later, but first we're going we're gonna to go into the eyeball test. All right, we're going to go into the eyeball test and see how they stack up. I'm going to start with you, PhD. Eyeball test. Are the Golden State Warriors for real? I think the Golden State Warriors are legitimate, 100% legitimate. <laughs> Um, the way Andrew Bogut has played when he's been healthy, um, the emergence of Draymond Green. Uh, Draymond Green last game had four blocks. I mean, this is a guy that's six foot eight, but is playing a lot bigger than that. He's playing in his four spot, which going into the season we thought it was David Lee's position. Um, Golden State's twenty one and three, and they don't have one of the best, uh, you know, top ten, top twelve power forwards, he, he hasn't played a game for them this year, and they're already a quarter into the season. Um, I think the level of depth that they have with, um, let's, let's just assume that Lee's going to come off the bench, given that he's dropped him from my fantasy squad, uh, but but I'm okay with that. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, the depth with Lee, um, as well as with uh, Harrison Barnes and some other guys, I I think they're legitimate, and if I were relooking and taking a look, a look to what I think is going to come out of the West, I would say Golden State at this point. It's still very early, but I'm that impressed with them. And going into the season, I thought Golden State, um, I thought I generously had them listed as a, as a four seed. Mm, okay. Yeah, and, and you're right. I mean, Draymond Green, a Michigan State guy who I think we were all pretty pretty high on him coming out. Um, not as a guy who you could plug in and he would be the star of your franchise, but a guy who would do exactly what he's doing. He would be a very key piece on a very good team some point in his career. Um, you know, I think we saw him on a team like the Miami Heat, one of those teams that draft late, usually are drafting late. They get a steal like him later in the draft, and he would do exactly what he's doing. Be a dirty work guy, has a good skill set, can play a lot of different spots, can do a lot of different things. D. Wills, eyeball test. What do you think about the Golden State Warriors? Uh, you know, as y'all know, I think the, the 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 NBA season falls in phases. You know, I think you know if you break up into three parts, you know, kind of the early where people are beginning to gel, kind of the middle of the you know just kind of getting a feel for and, and developing their habits. The middle is kind of when you uh, begin to settle into some rotations, and then you got the stretch run to the playoffs. And so, I think they are the team of the first phase. Um, and I think a lot of what you've seen is the residual uh, effect of, I think, what Mark Jackson built. Um, but it's it's a lot like uh, baseball. Like, you know, team, a, a pitcher will go through and have a great kind of, uh, you know, first round through a, a division or whatever, and, and people will get all excited. But that next round through, people start hitting off of them, right, because now they start to see – because part of what people are learning about them – you know, they're a talented team in terms of their ability to shoot and share the ball, and I'll share some stats as well that I think make them a viable team. But what I'd like to see, can they sustain this um, 
once people really begin to understand how Steve Kerr approaches a game. So people, coaches have had a chance to kind of see the patterns, how he coaches, and also how that team plays, and then they start to see him the next time through. Um, I think that's the piece to, to look at. Um, and then I think one of the challenges, one of the things I love about them that they have stepped up the defense is that, you know, the regular season is different. You know, you come from Denver, and when you come in and play a team like this that's offensively potent, it shocks your system because you you just played three or four games, and then you come against this. I mean, I've, I've watched a game where just teams look helpless because they got so many shooters on the floor, the way that they move the ball. But when you can game plan against them, you know, and you start to put them up against teams like Memphis, San Antonio, OK City, the Clippers, where we're going to play a seven-game series, I think they react. You got to you evaluate them differently. And so I think they're a threat coming out the West, but, you know, I think their their record starting is, is impressive. But I'm, I'm not ready to say they're the team um, because OK City's coming out of injury. I mean, they're looking good. Even, you know, they, they close the distance quickly in like two weeks, you know. And then when you look at what the Clippers are doing, people kind of being – but if you really look at some numbers and inside the numbers and, and what they've done over the last ten games, they beginning to get some things together. And so I, I think it's too early to tell, but I, I would definitely believe they're going to be a factor in the West coming down the stretch. Okay. Yeah. The the thing I think uh, will be interesting with the Golden State team in Memphis, somewhat exposed it the, last night, um, is how they deal with bigger bigger front lines. And in the West, that's going to be something that you have to make sure you're you're able to address. When you got Tim Duncan playing the four, when you got Zach Randolph playing the four, Lamarcus Aldridge, um, folks like that, who you, Blake Griffin, who you're going to have to go through. Draymond Green, while he is a good player and he is a guy that, that helps him out a lot, they have to find uh, they have to make sure David Lee is right because he's going to have to step in and, and be able to guard those guys, but still uh, provide that spacing, which is really what is special about what uh, Draymond Green gives them. Is he gives them a great, great spacing. And that spacing allows Steph Curry, who we're going to get into in a little bit, to do Steph Curry-like things. And, and Steph Curry's balling right now is probably the favorite to be the MVP. All right? So we give you the eyeball test, right? So for PhD, they passed the eyeball test. They're going to be in contention. I think D. Will's in a roundabout way. They passed his eyeball test. They're in the mix. I don't know. In the West. I, I don't know. I, I don't know if they passed the D. Will's eyeball test. I I don't know. Well, do you clarify? Clarify. Well, well, I said it past my the eyeball test, but I, I have a, and maybe this is this is something that this is a bias I have to deal with. Um, I can't. You're eighty guys. It's hard for me to jump a team over, um, some other teams that are in that group, based on this start. Without you know, if, they, if this was like a to me, I think they've been getting better, right? You know, under Mark Jackson, they did. But you know, at that elite level, when you are the person, like when the light is on you, have you been able to do that in multiple seasons? That's a hard thing for me to do. When I even looking at a team like Memphis, who's you know under the light, you know, with not a lot of love, have been just hitting people in the mouth and they're never really getting you know any credit for it. Um, obviously, you got San Antonio there. It's kind of like the sleeping giant. People forget about them until about April. 
and then you know, everybody talks about everybody else, and then you know that 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 that, that person kind of walks in the room. You're like, oh yeah, that we forgot all about you. You still the person. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like we 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 should have known. <laughs> you know, all if that dude, if that dude that shows up at the pickup game, if that dude that 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 former like that former international hooper that shows up at the pickup game right before the game is about to start, <laughs> it's like hey hey hey, um, you gotta go. You you kick somebody off the squad. Like we got old boy. <laughs> you got a squad, y'all. You got you gotta go, man. Cat walking to the sideline with his head down, taking his shoes off, putting them in the bag, and, and walking off right. to the sunset. That's right, the yelling, right. yelling, yelling at the top of his lungs. Well, I got next then. Well, I got next. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to walk off, but I got next. And, and one of the things y'all both know, I mean, people can't argue that the Warriors are deep. But one of the advantages that he actually has other than Bogan is that some of these injuries. Because injuries, when somebody's injured, now you're not really dealing with issues of playing time. Right, but when everybody gets healthy, the, the chemistry is different. So, I, so part of it is, in some ways, they're so talented. The injuries actually help the rotation, other than Bogut. You know, in some ways, when they have people who are not ready there, because you're not trying to figure out how to play ten guys, right? You got you probably down that night. You down to eight, nine, and you can you can your rotation can work when everybody's healthy and people are looking down at the coach like, when you go get me. So I want to see how they deal with some adversity, you know, and to figure out because they're going to have it once these other teams get healthy, and then how they respond. Uh-huh. Well, this, this, this is the one disclaimer I do want to throw out there before you go, PSG. I do want to throw a disclaimer out there. Right, right now they're currently at an eight seventy five win percentage. If they continued at this pace, they win seventy two games. We all know that ain't happening, right? We all know they're going to regress a little bit from a from an actual winning perspective. Because it's a long season, and they're on a tear right now. And to maintain this, to keep winning at this clip, they would be on a historical pace. We know they're not going to maintain that, right? So I just wanted to make sure we're, we're all clear on that. We all know they're not going to finish the season 72-10. and 10. They're not going to do that. PAC, go ahead. Yeah, and, and, and having said all that great start, the Clippers only four games behind them. Yeah. <laughs> Only four games yeah. behind them. But with all that great start, the Clippers just sitting there with four games behind them. Uh, D-Wells, <laughs> I mean, D-Wells, you do not feel comfortable. I mean, you just do not sound comfortable right now on on the on the top of that fence. Uh, you know, you grew up in the hood. You know them fences. They have, like, a yeah. spike scare and – it feels like one of those spikes got you in a you know in a bad spot. I mean, you just feel like you're on the fence. <laughs> and, and the thing about it is, y'all know I love Steph Curry. I love him to death. I I, I like Steve Kerr. I like him to death. But they like that young contender that you know that done made it up the ranks, but they ain't fought Mayweather yet. Right, they, they they ain't fought Mayweather yet. You got Mayweather over there, like what? You know, you got the money team over there, San Antonio. The money team over there, like hard work. Yeah. You know, people talk about how old they getting and everything else, but they up at three o'clock in the morning running. You know, they running you what, at three in the morning. I tell you what, Coach Pop. I mean, we a quarter through the season. 
Coach Pop may have to rethink his strategy because normally he does what he does and they're still the top one or two or three seed. Right now they sit in the seventh seed and they won 68% yeah, of their game. They won yeah, 68% of their game. I mean, they're only four games out and not making the playoffs. Still a lot of time, but uh, Coach Pop may have to reevaluate. Sorry, Timmy, we're not going to be able to give you 15 games off this year. Yeah, Timmy's going to get a couple more shots this year. You know, not, I mean, not shots in the paint. He's going to get a couple more shots in the knees because, uh, yeah, he's going to probably play he's gonna play a few more games. I, I, I had the same thought you had. Like, he's he not going to be able to manage because these other teams are closing the gap too quick on him. And uh, the worst the thing that really hurt him, actually, I think, is the fact that OK City had those injuries because it allowed for some of these other teams to mature in a way that a healthy OK City might have beat some folks down with them. Right, they would have been able to tag team. You get knocked out by San Antonio. You come to OK City, they knock you in the head. Then you get, but with them being down, it, it allowed for some teams like Golden State, some other folks to get confidence in ways yeah. that you know, that they probably didn't anticipate. And so, you know, now instead of thinking about two or three teams, they got a challenge. Now they got five or six teams, and we're not even talking about Portland and some of these other teams who you got to bring your A game night by, every night. Yeah. So yeah, and the West is thick, man. The West is, is has been this way for you know probably the last decade plus, man. I mean, the last thirteen or fourteen years, at least through the two thousands, the West has been the dominant conference in the league for whatever reason. Um, you know, you look at the top, you know, ten teams. You got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of them are out west. All all with a, a 680 win percentage or higher right now. Um, yeah. You know, and, and that's, that's pretty ridiculous. Um, so the West is going to be going to be a, a challenge. Now, we all know, though, to really be a contender, you have to have that one guy. you got to have at least one guy who you know the other team has to – is going to bend the other team's defense. When that person gets the ball, it's going to shift and change how the other team is guarding you as a unit. And that guy for Golden State is Steph Curry. Now let's talk about Steph Curry for a little bit. Steph is uh, is killing it right now. Now I remember Steph Curry coming out of college, and everybody was a little bit unsure as to whether or not he would be able to perform at the level of an elite player, which is why he went so late in the lottery. I mean, I don't think he went to like what pick nine, ten, eleven, somewhere in that late lottery range. Um, you know, several teams passed up on him. I'm sure they're regretting that now. But um, he's playing like a true superstar. Uh, first, tell me about Steph Curry and where he fits in your MVP conversation right today, PhD. I think it's a three-dog, uh, a three-horse race right now. Uh, Steph Curry, Anthony Davis, and LeBron. And um, I think Steph Curry is the leader right now, but if Anthony Davis figures out a way to get his team, you know, a solid foot in the playoffs, say third, fourth, or fifth seed, he moves up that list. And I think LeBron um, in Cleveland, especially if they can have another two or three win streaks like they just had, you know, winning eight out of nine games or nine out of ten games, and all of a sudden they've locked down the top seed in the East. 
LeBron's going to be in that conversation. But if the MVP was to be taken right now, I think Steph Curry would be the MVP. Okay. And, and with Steph, you know, in your opinion, watch, you haven't watched him play a little bit. and I think you own him on your fantasy team, right? I do. I, yes. Yes, I do. Okay. So yeah, you, you follow him close enough. You see his stat lines, you know, but you also see him play. What do you think? Where do you think he's? What do you think he's doing right now that has taken his game to another level? Where he is in that MVP conversation? Uh, with stuff, I think <clears throat> I think he is making people around him better. Um, we all know he can score and he can shoot the ball. Um, he's shooting at you know forty eight, forty nine percent from the field. He's still close to forty percent from three. Um, but his assist numbers are up a full assist or two from his career numbers. Um, and, you know, it used to be uh, in the clutch, you know, the last two years they had Jared Jack um, as their backup point guard. And Mark Jackson would use him a lot down the stretch in terms of running the team um, from the point guard position to give Steph Curry an opportunity to play off the ball. Um, to come off screens and have isolations. But, but now Steve Kerr has been able to utilize stuff to do that and also set up hot players on offense. So as a result of that, um, down the stretch, they're able to go to guys like uh, Green, but especially Clay Thompson. I think Steph Curry's development as a point guard and just as somebody who can facilitate the game better. I'm not saying he's as good as Chris Paul is in this area, but he's a lot better than he's been his first three or four years in the league. I think that has allowed uh, uh, Thompson to flourish and really just give that team more options down the stretch because last year when, you know, when Jared Jack was playing point guard for the last two years down the stretch, it was almost like, well, Bo gets out there and he's just out there for defense. So the defense, you know, really just had to defend three guys. They didn't have to defend Bogut and Jack. Now um, they can go small. Uh, when David Lee comes back, you know, they can decide whether or not to play Bogan in the fourth quarter. Uh, but from that point guard position, he's putting pressure on that defense down the stretch. So I think that, as well as his ability to get, you know, Thompson involved and other guys is what's different for him this year. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree. And, I, you know, as you look at his numbers, just his face value raw averages – you know, the 5.2 rebounds a game, I think that's significant as well. I think that's speaking to that defensive effort and that uptick on defense as well. You know, you talked about him being able to share the ball and help, uh, you know, Draymond and Clay develop their games and Harrison Barnes, guys like that. Those, some of those younger guys develop their games. I think also he's made a, a stronger commitment to playing defense, and I think that has had yeah. an impact on their overall success because, you know, instead of being a liability – or at least not necessarily a plus player on that end of the floor, you know, he's now contributing a little bit more, holding his own against some of the better guards in the league. And that's, I mean, yeah. ultimately when you can go toe-to-toe with guys and you can hold your own defensively, that's what puts you in that conversation, you know, as one of the best at your position, in my opinion. Yeah. You know, it's not only being able to play your spot offensively, but even being able to guard your spot. And that's why I always, I never really had a ton of respect for what Steve Nash did because, you know, he killed on one end of the floor, but, on the other end, he never could guard anybody at his spot, and that was always a weakness and a liability for his team. So, D. Will, 
Eagles, I want to pull you in. What's your thoughts on on Steph Curry as an MVP candidate? Well, I mean, I think he's um, definitely um, you know near the top of the list, if not at the top. And I think yeah, we all hit it was I mean his growth and I think Phil did a really good job of talking about how he's made other people better. And but I also think that's where um, probably Steve Kerr's probably had the greatest impact on him is because you know Steve Kerr played on teams that had a great defense. But he wasn't a great defensive player. But he understood how to be a position. He positioned himself defensively to be not a liability on defense. Because if you think about those great Bulls teams, you know they didn't have always have a shot block in the middle. But for him to stay on the floor, it wasn't just about him shooting. He also had to play position D. On he couldn't be that much of a liability. And I think Steph obviously has more athletic ability. But I think part of what I think he probably helped Steph is having him. understand that he can position himself to make him a more effective team defender. And I think that's a part, I think, where I bet you Kerr has probably had the greatest impact on him on the defensive end. Uh, so that part is great. And, and I agree with, you know, some of the other folks who are probably in the conversation. I think one person that always gets left out in the team that they just lost to is Marc Gasol. Um, I think, you know, Davis is impressive. Obviously, LeBron is always going to be in the conversation but when you think about someone like uh, Gasol, and we'll probably get into it, you think about what his team is doing, but you think about what he does on his team and the things that he does. He's someone that I think, you know, obviously he's in a small market, but he's someone that has to start getting a nod um, because he's doing exactly what you're talking about, Marcus. He's that guy you have to think about. On, he's on, he's doing it on defense and offense. He, 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 he affects the game. And so, yeah, yeah, he does. Uh, and, and and so, you know, and it seems like he just never gets a nod. But every time you turn up, his team is always there. And you think about what they went through with a crazy owner, you know, get rid of Hollins and all this other stuff, and they still find a way to to be competitive every year. And right now, you have to think what they're sitting with number two in the West. And so, and they're the team that Golden State has to figure out how to beat because they got guards who get into you from end to end. And I think that's 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 Steph's kryptonite. They got enough people <laughs> there who going to get into him from the time he stepped on the court to the time he leaves. Remind me of the Pistons, oh, guards, you know, for the defensive end. Like, they're not letting you get anything. And so – but he's a leader that. He sets the tone. And uh, so I think he's another person that, you know, we have to continue to watch and start to give him a nod. Sometimes, at some point, he needs to get some respect. We talk about Powell, but shoot, Mark has been Mark has been an elite player, and now I think he's really pushing through the the, the roof on this. But you know, Steph Curry, man, I watch some games, and it's just like stay healthy because he clowns on people so much. You can tell people want to play him in the first row, and that's why I'm, I'm hoping that's that's the part I, I kind of I'm worried about him is that because. They, I mean, there's a couple games I watched them where they just they went on like twenty twenty point runs. It was almost like effortless, and then especially when they at home and the energy was just so crazy. And he's not trying to clown anybody, but he's smiling. I can tell the cats on the other team like next time he comes to that lane, I'm putting him to the first row. And that's the part I'm worried about whether he's gonna stay healthy because you know you know the playground attitude is like you're not gonna make too many months them threes on me now. I'm, at some point, you're going to you feel it on the wrist, in the body, something. People are not just going to take those whoopings lightly. Yeah, to me, Steph Curry is, is the Drake. He's the Drake of the NBA. 
right? Light skinned cat. You know, kind of got a got a real got a real kind of a a, a non threatening vibe to him, right? You know, and Drake Drake kind of had that sing songy you know element to his game. That's like Steph's jump shot, the little softness, the little finesse to it. But this season, this season is is Steph Curry's. Nothing was the same, right? Yeah. This is this is that uh, this is that Drake album for Curry. This is the equivalent. You know, it's that season where before you kind of fronted on him a little bit and was like, yeah, he got the nice jump shot, but you know, you don't play D or you know he can't do this or he can't do that. And then you know now you're wondering why he's taking so long on the intro. You know what I mean? Because he's killing it, right? <laughs> And, and that's that's the comparison I make when I when I look at Steph. I'm like, okay, this dude's making this is his statement. Season. Every every guy has that year where they kind of say, you know, I'm here, man. I'm here, and you know, yeah, you thought it was a little fluky. You might not like what I'm doing, you know, but I, I, I got some, I got some, I got some heat. And Curry definitely got some heat, and he's bringing it, man. He's bringing it. So I want to switch gears. Um, Thinking about this MVP conversation, you guys brought up some guys who are really helping their teams. Um, you know, the, some of the top scorers in the league, you got James Harden, LeBron, Kobe, still kicking. Still kicking 25 points a game. You got Anthony mm-hmm. Davis, Steph Curry. You know, those guys are leading the league in scoring. Who are some other guys? You guys mentioned some other guys who are in that MVP conversation. Who are some other teams that have surprised you or players that have surprised you with their performance early in the season this year? Go ahead, D. Well, go I, first. Well, or D. Wills, you go. I'll, I'll go. Um, so, uh, impressive players and in, in teams. Uh, uh, I'm impressed with this player for two reasons. One, um, he he decided to stay and want to really, you know, somewhat, you know, develop his own legacy where he where he where he is. Kyle Lowry. You talking about Carmelo? Toronto. In Toronto, I think it's been um, uh, very impressive in terms of um, the way in which, um, you know, they, they, they've been kind of growing and, and the fact he decided to stay in the way in which they play and that kind of maturity. You know, the East doesn't get a lot of love, but I, I, Toronto's kind of like that little beacon that I like. You know, they're kind of up there, you know, like Drake, I you know, don't know what the Canadians are doing, how are they doing this, but they up there in Toronto doing something, even got a victory against Memphis. Um, I, I like not, – I'm not surprised that they're playing solid, but I'm surprised with the consistency that they're playing with that a lot of teams like that don't stumble with, um, that they're not stumbling with. You know, their, their game is traveling with them now. A lot of that's that commitment to defense, but they also are, are scoring. So – uh, Kyle Lowry is a person that I think I, I like the way he's beginning to find himself and even leading leading his team. And the fact that he stayed to do that is is something that um, uh, that I've liked. And, and I you know I mentioned the Grizzlies. Um, not uh, I'm impressed just by the way they continue to stay the course. Um, and obviously uh, I like Mark Gasol in terms of the way in which he's he's played. I mean he's first in his team in points. He's second in rebound. He's second in assists. He's averaging 3.8 assists. Uh, he's first in blocks. I mean, it, he's doing it everywhere, um, and he's another person. Yeah, and when the, the teams you mentioned, Toronto's and the Memphis's, um, to me that speaks to a trend in the league. 
and and the, and the Golden State Warriors. Um, and it's almost like the the flip side to the coin. It almost makes what LeBron and Bosh and Wade did more of an anomaly than it was before. You know, it's it, nobody has been able to replicate that model, and everybody was afraid that everybody was going to try and do that, right? When that happened, everybody was like, oh, well, then all the, all the stars are just going to team up. And what you're having is you're having teams without guys who, before the season, you would consider stars doing really well, and those guys are sticking with their teams, and those teams are sticking together. When you talk about Memphis, these guys have been at it for the last four or five years trying to break through together. You know, when you, you look at their core, Tony Allen, uh, Mike Conley, um, Zach Randolph, Mark Gasol, they developed an identity, and they're rolling with it. Right now, you have probably more copycat models of the Detroit 2004 Detroit Pistons than you yeah. do of the big three kind of teams. I mean, when you look at Golden State, when you look at Toronto, Portland, Washington, you know, Atlanta, the Atlanta Hawks somehow are still 17 and 7. <laughs> That's right. You know, they're still winning games at a high clip. I mean, I'm sure Justin Page is loving it, but nobody expected that from them. And you have these you have these teams out there that are playing at a high level when no one really foresaw that, but they're playing as a team. They're playing as a unit. Um, they don't have necessarily a ball-dominant player. And I think that also speaks to the nature of the game now where ball movement is so important. Guys with teams with ball stoppers, Kobe, Carmelo, guys like that are struggling because there isn't that flow. There isn't that ball movement. Defense in the NBA has evolved to a point where you can't just have the ball sit in one side of the court for an extended period of time, thanks to Tom Thibodeau. You know, guys like that who are overloading the strong side of the court. You know, you can't just sit with the ball on one side of the court. And so, you know, Pop has really kind of set the blueprint of you've got to have ball movement, you've got to have unselfish guys. And you're seeing that model slowly being replicated by other teams who are really buying into. We need, we don't need three A players or three, you know, B plus players. We need four. We need five or six guys who are from a B to a C plus. You give us five or six guys who are from a B to a C plus at different points in their careers, we can make this work. We can be competitive, and we can get the job done. So that's that's been the big surprise to me. Um, as far as kind of how things have shifted from the paradigm of how you team, which is something I'm always interested in, how, how you know, teams are constructed. You know, PAZ, what are some teams that have surprised you so far? Well, um, I would say the most impressive team that I've seen so far this year, and sit down, it's, you know, this is maybe a bit of a shocker, will be Oklahoma City. <laughs> No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that. I Explain. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, uh, don't don't look now, but they've won seven straight. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> don't, don't look now. They they won seven straight. In seven games ago, they were eight games under five hundred. Um, today they're one game under five hundred. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, yeah, so that's my most impressive team. Okay, okay, and, and with OKC, I mean they 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 you know people have been waiting on them to parlay that James Harden trade into something other than you know guys with potential, but you know that's a deep squad. You know, adding an Anthony Morrow, 
who doesn't who isn't a household name and probably for most guys who do follow the league, you know, unless you're a fantasy basketball guy, you don't know uh, you don't know Anthony Morrow from the next from the you know the pickup guy at your Y. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know, a guy like that, Perry Jones was coming into his own a little bit before the injury before he got injured. So you got guys like that who are stepping up. Jeremy Lamb is playing good basketball. Uh, they're getting a lot from, you know, some of those younger players who are starting to come into their own and, again, are getting building that chemistry. Chemistry is so important, I think, in today's NBA. And they're building that chemistry. You know, they're able to find – they have a big in Stephen Adams who is finally allowing them to, uh, to put Kendrick Perkins out to pasture. Yeah. <laughs> I've been waiting on that, man. And let Perk just sit that bench. <laughs> Seriously, just let Perk sit that bench, man. <laughs> he was just so out of place. Kids like, like that. You, you put that weed thing out in your lawn, you get everything looking green. It's that one weed that keeps showing up, and you think you got rid of it. You know what? Like you do all your lawn, your rest of your lawn look like the 18th green, and you get that look out there like, why is that one weed sitting up there? That's Kendrick. Um, you know, you know who Kendrick Perkins is. Though. You know who Kendrick Perkins is, and I've always, I've always thought about this. When I was a kid, like in, in mid '90s, when Barkley went to the Phoenix Suns, right? It was him, KJ, Eddie Johnson, Dan Marley, and Mark West. And I would always, yeah, as a kid, I would always be like, why does Mark West start? <laughs> what does Mark West do? Why is he good? <laughs> <laughs> That's Kendrick Perkins. I'm sure there's a 15 year old somewhere like, why has Kendrick Perkins been starting for the last three years? <laughs> right, right on the video that game. That was me. He never plays. He never plays yeah. right. video games. Right, <laughs> like you sell him out immediately. Like first before the game, before the first tip, he's out. <laughs> I'm putting Barkley in there. The thing about it is the intro doesn't even sound right. Everybody else sound right, and that center. Yo, you say Mark West, you're like, what? You're like, the intro doesn't, everything looks right. The, the gorilla's running around. They got Barkley coming out. And then when, when they when they introduce him, he, he just doesn't fit the intro. Yeah, I, I, I used yeah, to man. figure out how did Mark West, oh, my goodness, you get a good one. That always that. bugged me, man. That always bugged me as a kid. He was just a player. I didn't understand his game. I didn't understand his value. I was, you know, I'm like, how is he getting, how is he starting? Like, you're starting, like, this is your best. <laughs> This is your fifth best guy? <laughs> but right. you got Oliver Miller. I mean, even put Andrew Lang out there. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? You know? Yeah, that always baffled me, man. That always baffled me. But, that, but that's Kendrick Perkins to me, man. That's Kendrick Perkins yeah. to me where it's like, come on, man, y'all got to have somebody better than that. I mean, ever since he left the Celtics and he had that run as, like, the Dwight Howard stopper, now Dwight stops himself. You know what I mean? So that he's he's not he's not of any use anymore. <laughs> you know, once well, the white game with the toilet. Yeah, and I think the biggest value. I mean, one of the interesting things. I think Phil hit this right on the head when you said it. I, I didn't really have a problem with it, and I and because I you know I said it. I mean, they, they've gone on a run. The problem is, this this the Scott Brooks had the ability to let to, to trust it enough for him to do it in the playoffs. So these these young players played for him last year. He got to the playoffs and he just played a totally different rotation. Like he got down to six players and he had all these guys sitting on the bench. He never played them. And so my worry is they're going to do all this stuff the regular season and then Scott Brooks is going to get to the playoffs and all we're seeing right now is not what he's going to do in the playoffs. They're going to run the same one-two plays, you know, ball staying on one side of the floor. We just said that's not going to work. 
you know, whereas right now they're doing it. I saw him do it last year. He got the playoffs. He played a totally different game, played different rotations. Just he, he wasn't able to have enough confidence to run and trust what he did. Like, like Pop trusts what he, he's doing. He's doing some stuff right now with a guy that's ninth on the bench Pop is probably doing that will show up in the playoffs. You know, right. and, and I wonder if Scott is going to allow that to translate into the playoffs. Well, you hope he's learning that's Pop. I'm you know, you hope that. that Pop has moved the needle to the point where other coaches are seeing you got to use the regular season to develop your bench because somebody's going to get hurt, right? Somebody's going to get hurt down the stretch. That's what's called OKC off guard the last two playoffs. They lose a guy, and they don't have anybody ready to step in, and they haven't done that experimentation during the regular season. Like, Pop knows he has to experiment, and he has to develop game plans for different players because he knows he's going to sit. <laughs> Ginobili, yep. he's going to sit Parker, he's going to sit Timmy for a certain amount of time. Heck, he's sitting Kawhi like Kawhi's 37. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Let the young buck run. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? But Pop knows he's going to do that, and so he has to He has to be constantly thinking about, okay, we still want to win games, so how can I utilize my bench in creative ways and try some different things throughout the regular season? You know, I'm going to try this on a Tuesday night in Denver and see just how it goes. You know, I'm going to sit Timmy, I'm going to sit Ginobili, and force, you know, Boris. I'm, I'm going to run my offense through Boris. Let's see what that looks like. Yeah. You yeah. know, yeah. and other coaches got to be willing to use the regular season to experiment like in, in that way um, so that when they get into the playoffs, they can be crafty. They can play mismatches. They can. That's all Pop is doing. I mean, he's just a mad scientist out there you know, waiting, you know, developing little things in case he runs into you. You know, in case the scenario happens, he's ready for it, and he's he's got his guys ready for it, and he's going to put guys in positions that they're comfortable in because they've done it before five or six times in the regular season. You know, and hopefully Brooks has learned from that. But I think Scott Brooks, the biggest question mark at OKC, in my opinion, you're right, D. Will, is Scott Brooks. Um, I yeah. think he is definitely the big, biggest question mark. Now, any individual players who have been really impressive to you so far, PhD, in this early part of the season? Hmm. You said players? Individual players who have impressed you. Oh, man, I could talk all day on this one. Um, but but I'll start with Anthony Davis. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I was uh, wrong. Average of a double-double. Uh, but giving you a couple of assists, giving you three-plus blocks tonight. Uh, I saw him play in person a few weeks ago when they were in Cleveland. And this cat has the quietest 28 points, you know, mid-team rebounds, um, a handful of blocks, a couple of st- – it, it was the quietest thing. I mean, Ryan Anderson hit like seven or eight three-pointers, so that's where everybody was in shock of. But the guy I was sitting next to, I, I said, man – Watch, Anthony Davis is going to have a very, very quiet night. But when you look up there in the fourth quarter, you're going to be like, whoa, I didn't realize this happened. That's exactly what happened. Um, I I would still like him to be a little bit more assertive, but I'm, I'm not going to get too greedy. This has been his third year. Um, another guy that's been really, really impressive for me has been James Harden. James Harden has taken his game from an all-star level to a first-team all-NBA level. And that is a very difficult jump to make. That's a very difficult jump to make. Um, it's, I mean, it's a difference with being a pro bowler versus being, you know, uh, all NFL. James Harden 
um, to me, to have this team be where they are, uh, you know, in the playoffs in terms of the seeding right now, when a lot of his key players have, have lost time. I mean, uh, the kid from Kentucky, Jones, Terrence Jones, I believe is his name, he finished the season very strong for them last year. He's had a really freak accident. He hasn't even had a chance to play much this year. Dwight Howard missed, you know, 10 or 15 games. Beverly's missed a few games. Um, some of their other players have missed significant time. And James Harden is still showing up, putting up, you know, big-time numbers, man. Um, you know, I, I've been hearing a lot about Mark Gasol um, in Sports Talk Radio World. Devon talked about him earlier, and I think it still merits more talk. Uh, this This guy defensively, you know, He's a guy, Dan Patrick said it the best, you have to watch him to really value him. And, you know, when Pete, when when Gasol was getting all this, this, this chatter the last couple of weeks in terms of being included in the MVP conversation, I looked up Paul Gasol's number and, you know, numbers, and he's having statistically a better season, you know, averaging 21 and 12, which is a few points and a rebound or two better than Mark Gasol. But when you watch them defensively, um, you see why this is a guy who's not blocking many shots, um, but changes what you can do offensively, um, you know, from, from him just being on the court defensively. So those are, uh, you know, not many surprises there, but I think it merited more conversation with those three. Absolutely. And Gasol does something that, as a coach, is really hard to measure, um, but it's something you look for is a player who can take – how many options can you take away? And on on any given play, you know, Gasol can take away two or three options in one action. You know, you got a ball screen. He can help on. He can defend the ball. He can defend the ball. He can get back to the roller, and he could. And, you know, he could. He could give a show on. You know, the rotation pass. You know, so on that one play, he's taking away three options from the other team just by his body positioning and probably moving within a five to six foot radius. You know. He's taking away all these different options. Those are the subtle nuances of defense that a lot of folks, unless you know the game and you know defense, you don't recognize and you don't see that. Those are the types of things that guys like Gasol, Tyson Chandler, you know, even Roy Hibbert at times, they can do that, you know, um, beyond blocking shots, you know, Andrew Bogey, beyond beyond that kind of stuff. They can do those kind of things. You know, a guy who – You had me. <laughs> but Hibbert has moments. Hibbert has moments. You know, Hibbert, Hibbert has kind of revolutionized the idea of verticality and challenging shots with verticality. That's something that it honestly is different. The way he kind of jumps straight up in the air, holds his positioning. You know, most guys stay grounded and took a charge. You know, he kind of took it to another level. Like, I'm going to take the 7 2 frame, throw my arms up, and jump straight up and just kind of, you know, deter your shot that way and not really even go for the block sometimes. That is a revolutionary kind of move for a defensive player. You know, not a lot of guys have done that historically, and that's that's something that's a little new. So I do give him a little bit of credit for being able to do that kind of thing. Um, he does struggle, though. I think Hibbert's thing is offensively, though. Offensively is where he, he, he struggles. Uh, I think his defense is Cannot play with him. Good. Cannot win with him. Cannot coach with him. Can't do it. Okay, so since you brought up Hibbert, let's talk about disappointment. I want to start this one off because it wasn't Roy. It wasn't Roy, all right? It was Lance. Lance was the problem, people. Lance was the problem, people. It wasn't Roy. It wasn't Paul. It wasn't David West. It wasn't George Hill. It was Lance Stevenson's, folks, all right? 
the Charlotte Hornets were a playoff team last year and for the most part primed to take that next step. And most people thought that they were going to take that next step with the addition of Lance Stevenson. Oh boy, were we wrong, right? <laughs> with, with Lance from the, with, with Brooklyn Lance in the house, things have gotten worse, right? I don't know if they got a Brooklyn Bronx thing going on in the backcourt between him and Kimber Walker, but they cannot play together. Maybe it's just too much New York in the backcourt. You know, it's just not working. Uh, Kid Gilchrist has been out. So Lance Stevenson and the Charlotte Hornets are my disappointment because that was a team with Al Jefferson, with some of the other guys they have. on. They have some depth on the front line. Lance Stevenson was supposed to bring another score to that backcourt, another facilitator. Um, it just hasn't panned out, and it's not working well. And it was working well last year. And the only thing that changed was they brought in Lance, right? And all of a sudden the Patriots are not winning because they don't have a ton of talent, but we're not hearing about chemistry in Indiana anymore, right? And the only thing that changed there was Lance left. So I'm I'm, I'm looking at Lance right now. I'm blowing it in his ear. You're the problem. <laughs> so Lance Stevenson, Charlotte Hornets, that's my disappointment. He wills. Who's your disappointment of the first half of the season? I'm about to get my Stephen A. Smith. The New York Knicks. <laughs> I, 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 I mean, it, it, I from the top to the bottom, it's like you should not be this bad, should, especially in the East. And I don't even blame this on Fisher. It's just the whole operation is contaminated. And Phil, quit, quit giving us xenology. Give us, give us structure. You know, Phil up there smoking a cigar, making statements, talking about his losing mindset. I mean, it is. It's a mess. The Knicks are a mess. I feel, and the thing about it, I feel sorry for the fans of New York. I mean, they are avid basketball fans. Take I Knicks don't. fans. Get, get on the I train. Don't. Go to Brooklyn. Go they drink the Carmelo Kool Aid. They drink the Carmelo Kool Aid. I have no problem with the Knicks fans getting what they deserve. They bought. Listen, listen. Me, you, and Jeff Thompson sat in Jeff's office five years, six years ago. Two thousand eight was when I was working at the university. Two thousand eight. Right. Me and you and Jeff sat. In, and Carmelo was still with the Nuggets, and I told you both that you guys tried to argue me down that Carmelo was not where we thought he was going to be. I told you guys that, and I was basing off the fact that his body had changed, right? So, like, this guy comes into the league as a 19-year-old, and you see LeBron, he starts to sculpt his body. Carmelo's body was the same. Carmelo was that dude that just got by on natural ability, and you can see that. Like, he's not, he's not, he's not working. He's not, he's not built to be that dude, right? So that's one thing is Carmelo. Two, as much as we love Phil, you can't run the triangle with that many ball stoppers. You got J.R. Smith. No. You got Amari. You got Carmelo. It's about reads and ball movement, and you got all these dudes that got to pound the ball. Come on. We, we, we should have known that the triangle wasn't going to work with this roster. It's just not going to work. You, you can't if these dudes want to throw the air out the ball. But even with that, even all the stuff you just said, and I'm going to give you, yes, I was in the office. I was wrong. I'm going to give you that. But – that shouldn't that should be five and twenty two. That should be five and twenty two. 
Listen, man, Carmelo That's came into the season. Listen, Carmelo came into the season. This is how you knew this was going to be an abject failure. Carmelo came into the season talking about he might not lead the league in scoring this year because of the triangle, as if nobody has ever played in the triangle and led the league in scoring. Um, you ever heard of Michael Jordan? <laughs> you ever heard of Kobe Bryant? Anybody ever heard of these two dudes? You know what I'm saying? So at that moment in time, it lets you know where the mindset of the New York Knicks was. I can't hold the ball and just stare at the defense, so therefore I'm not going to score. Really, Carmelo? Really? You know what I mean? I'm not isolated on the wing, so therefore I can't score. I'm not isolated at the elbow post, so therefore I'm not going to score like I always. Carmelo, bruh, come on. See, this is, yeah, everybody in New York getting what they deserve right now. I ain't mad at all. I ain't mad at all. Let's like the Jets draft Geno Smith. That's what they get. You draft Geno Smith. Make me a franchise quarterback. That's what you get. Knicks fans, get on that train to Brooklyn. Hey, I wouldn't go there either. I wouldn't go there either. But not that they trade. <laughs> not that they make some trades. <laughs> at least you can see a win yeah, every man. other night. At least you can see a win every other night. Something. Hey, Somebody playing some something. defense. Something. They not there. Oh, yeah, my goodness. That's enough in, in my Pistons. But that's it. I'll leave it alone. Yeah, the Pistons, yeah, that's a disappointment too. We're going to go to D, uh, PAZ. PAZ, who's your disappointment so far? Um, I know we just talked about this, but I'm going to go with the Charlotte Hornets and Lance Stevenson. Lance Stevenson is the modern-day Reuben Patterson. Remember Reuben Patterson? Remember he was labeled the Kobe Stopper? How do you do this? How do you pull these names out of the air, man? I love it. Now I'm in the image. I can't get out of my mind. I'm going going into a Dan Levertard moment right now. I can't get out of my mind. Which one of us is Poppy? Which one of us is Poppy? (laughs) (laughs) I want to be Poppy. Gil can be Bomani. Because Poppy gets to say whatever he wants to say. You don't want to be Stu Gotts. That's it. You know, I feel like I'm Stu Gotts now. Uh, go ahead. Go ahead, man. Ruben Patterson. I, uh, I got to hit Wikipedia yeah. while you're talking. Yeah. Cleveland native. Um, yeah. You know, it, it's it's. Uh, I remember the late 90s, early aughts, Ruben Patterson was playing for Portland. I don't know if he said it or some sports reporter put this on his grave or what, but they called – Ruben Patterson, the Kobe stopper, and that made Kobe want to go after him every time. (laughs) In a sidebar, in a sidebar, uh, we have to mention this. Kobe went off on his teammates. We know what happens, but to see it, yes. (laughs) Yes. It, 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 It made me appreciate Kobe. It made me appreciate Kobe for what he is. It really did. Hey, I, hey, I actually hey, enjoy watching that. Hey, Phil, Phil, Phil. This, this is right here. This, this is to cement your point. I'm on Ruben Patterson's Wikipedia. Punched in the face by teammate Zach Randolph during a practice. <laughs> <laughs> Randolph. Jailblazers, baby. Jailblazers. He, he was interviewing between, uh, uh, arguing between Patterson and a rookie teammate, and he punched him in the face. Randolph and broke his like eye socket. And then he broke his like eye socket? It was wild. Yeah, it was pretty bad. 
It's pretty bad. And, and, yeah. and I'm willing to Black bet. Marianne, I'm willing yeah. to bet. I'm willing to bet about fifty dollars. Rasheed Wallace instigated the whole thing. I'm willing to bet fifty dollars. Rasheed was she was pumping up the whole situation. <laughs> right, ball don't lie. Ball don't lie. <laughs> this, this is a ration, This is a rationale. This this fits right with Stevenson. Patterson later explained his outburst, saying that it's frustrated. He was uh, frustrated. It was like the devil hit me. And I told it told me to get it out. He blamed it on the devil. Yeah, that, that's that's a way yeah. of saying stuff. You, you are right on point, man. You have you have this this one. We got a this is a tape. You talk, you hit it on the mark. I, I don't know if I could ever match it up like this. Ruben Patterson. Whew. Yeah, keep it going. Keep it going, PhD. Keep it rolling. <laughs> so before I get back to Ruben and Steph uh, Stevenson, I I will say Kobe's video just cracked me up. Uh, and then I read a little article. It said uh, Bryant participating in his first practice in in the month. Right, right. Had for management. Y'all say the practice was to make me better. These cats ain't doing nothing for me. <laughs> I mean, this was so Allen Iverson. Practice thing, just I mean that puts that in the back seat, knowing the trunk. You know, talking about practice, Kobe like, listen, I'm here, and these guys ain't even worth my time. Uh, hey, oh, the man. best part, the best part was when he told Jeremy Lin to shoot the ball, and then Jeremy Lin shot. He was like, "You soft, man. You fell for that." This <laughs> <laughs> talking this dude, man. This talking this dude. <laughs> oh, You're like you're mentally hey. weak, man. How you gonna let me? How you gonna let me put you into that shot? <laughs> so it's 2014, and you know we're getting we're getting snapshots oh, and being able to be uh, flying on the wall in places we shouldn't be. And Michael Jordan benefited because we weren't. And so yeah. this is my segue back to Lance Stevenson. Michael Jordan set up Lance for failure when he sat down for an interview. I mean, Mike didn't do interviews for years. Now we started doing them, and. When he's doing them, I'm kind of walking away like, Mike, did you just say that? When he sat down, I think it was towards the beginning of the season or maybe when they signed Lance uh, in the off season, you know, they asked him, hey, you got Lance, how did you get him to come? And Mike says, I told him we needed him to stop LeBron in the Miami Heat at the time. Like, we need you to guard LeBron. And so this, this has not helped Lance because now people want to come at the LeBron stopper. And – you know, Lance just, his shoulders just aren't that big at this point, uh, you know, to take on that kind of pressure. So right now the Hornets are, gosh, what I'm looking at says 5 and 15, but I think they're even um, worse than that right now. They're 6 and 19. Um, Charlotte is my biggest disappointment right behind, uh, right in front of Detroit Pistons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And additionally, I mean, Mike should have known better. Like, Jordan should have known better. Gerald Wilkins, anybody? Gerald Wilkins. Yes. <laughs> Jordan stopper, right? This never works out. <laughs> this never works out. They call you a stopper. Your Wikipedia going to look all messed up. I mean, especially when you're when, – when, 
the name that precedes the word stopper is the best basketball player in the world. Usually how you get to be – I don't know if they understand this, but usually how you get to be the best basketball player in the world is that people usually cannot stop you, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> so right. stopper after LeBron, after Kobe, after Jordan, hell, after even Carmelo, you know what I'm saying, is an oxymoron, all right? It, 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 <laughs> you're not stopping any of these dudes. They might stop themselves. Yeah. But you're not actually doing anything. You just happen to be there, right? Put your hand in the air. But then you're not actually stopping any of these guys. Not the not the elite offensive players in the league. You can't stop those kind of players, man. You just can't. There's nothing you can do about it. So the only person good I knew one. that could stand up to the only person I knew who could stand up to having that kind of identity was the young Dennis Rodman. Mm. That just was able to even when people caught it, was able to step into the moment. But is there, you're right. When they put you in there, Craig Elo, rest in basketball peace. I mean, I felt sorry for him when they put him out there. And they did work on him. I mean, every person that gets put in that space gets their hairdo done. And now nah, it doesn't look good at Yeah. And my only, my only point of reference for Craig Elo was those cut-ups of Jordan that came on before the Bulls games on WGN. And, it, you know, Jordan with the shot on Elo. That's all I knew of Craig Elo for about four years. <laughs> That's that dude might hit that buzzer beater on. <laughs> Look like he kicked him in the head. <laughs> you know I will mean? say, I will say, uh, you know, to kind of close it out in terms of disappointments. When I was prepping for the show, I had a a Back to the Future moment, like I was Marty McFly, mm-hmm. you know, back in 1980, whatever, talking about 2014. And I mean, they literally could have put this in the movie. You know, he looks at the rankings of the East, of the Atlantic Division in the Eastern Conference, and he sees Boston, New York, and Philadelphia have a 16 and 58 record, and they're behind Brooklyn and Toronto. It's one of those things. You know, you look into the future. Brooklyn has a team. Toronto has a team. What? Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, the Lakers. All of the flagship teams of the league are struggling, you know, beyond the Chicago Bulls, you know, the Lakers, the the you know, the Knicks, the Celtics, the Sixers, you know, those squads are, are not where they traditionally usually are, you know. But there's some good basketball being played. So that would do it for our NBA conversation. You listen to the Real Sports Guys, realsportsguys.com, RSG, Renegade Radio. The guys are killing it tonight. We're talking NBA hoops. Right now, let's pay a few bills. Now, we're going to get into our Resistance Digital Dog of the Week. Resistance Digital Solutions. Are you tired of running to the boys in blue? Are you done with listening to sales staff trying to upgrade technology that you don't need? We've all been there. So, what did the real sports guys do? We contacted Resistance Digital Solutions for all our technology needs. They are not there to meet sales quotas or make profit margins. They simply just want to sell you what you need at a fair price. From iPads to PCs to flat screens, TVs, or intricate home theater systems, they customize every solution based on your needs. Check out their website at www.resistancedigital.com or email them at sales at for your custom technology solutions today. All right, fellas, you know how it goes. PAZ, start us off. We need more dogs. 
my dog of the week is not a player. <clears throat> it's not a team. It is the entire Southwest division of the NBA. Right now, every team in their division, Memphis, is in the playoffs if they were to start today. Memphis, 2C. Houston, 3C. Dallas, 6C. San Antonio, 7C. New Orleans, 8C. This has never happened in the history of the NBA to have this many teams in one division um, on target to make the playoffs. Okay. All right. All right. That is crazy. That is a loaded division, especially when you talk about you know the Dallas Mavericks are another team that just keep on kind of they just keep on plugging in pieces. San Antonio Spurs style. Rick Carlisle is an underrated coach. Um, Portland is a young squad. I mean, they're not really young anymore. I mean, Lamarcus Aldridge is 28 years old, and and he's just a a, a very unique player. Um, he's where Rasheed Wallace could have been if he wasn't crazy. Right? <laughs> no, seriously, seriously. When you think about Rasheed's game, he was a Marcus well, Aldridge with a, with, a, with a certain level of crazy. Um, that just is what it is. You know what I mean? You can't, you, you can't miss words with that one. Good pick, though. Good pick. D. Wills. We need more dogs. Mine goes to the, the first uh, polyathlete to win the Heisman, um, Marcus Mario, Mariota. Um, uh, I just love his speech. Um, this is a young man that just carries himself well. I mean, I think we're going to debate, uh, you know, around the quarterback thing here soon. But uh, it was just, you know, it's, uh, you know, someone who just you, you realize the journey that people uh, go through to get to their point. And you know his story. He was a late bloomer. He really didn't get really recruited out of high school. Um, you know, he kind of started his senior year um, in assistant coach from Oregon, found him, and then he had a kind of a great senior year. Um, got some national press at that time, but his journey and thinking about where he's come and was able to, you know, watching his family appreciate that. That that's my my dog of the week. All right, all right, yeah, we're gonna get into Mariota versus Jameis in a moment. Um, for my dog of the week, I'm going Odell Beckham Jr. Um, mm-hmm. Odell Beckham Jr. 12 catches, 143 yards, three touchdowns. Um, dude is a legit, legit football player. Um, not only did he have a great week, but he eliminated a couple of two of my teams from the fantasy football playoffs. Um, not excited about it, but I do have to go hats off to him. Um, you know, between him and Aaron Rodgers, who was on, actually on my team, um, they basically did me in this week. <laughs> um, those two guys basically killed two, the two of my teams that got eliminated. I still got one more. I'm still in one championship game, but two of my teams got eliminated. It was because of both of them. It was because of Odell Beckham and Aaron Rodgers. Um, Aaron Rodgers' lack of performance and Odell Beckham's um, supreme performance. So that's my dog of the week, Odell Beckham Jr. Dude's killing it. Um, Big time talent wide receiver for the New York Giants. All right, fellas, we're gonna talk some football in the five on the black hand side. You listen to the Real Sports Guys, realsportsguys.com. Already Renegade Radio. We're about to hit you with the five on the black hand side, and it goes a little something like this. Five. Uh, five. Mm. Uh, uh, on the black hand side. Yes, sir. This edition of the five on the black hand side, we are going to talk about the NFL. So we're going to go rapid fire. we got about ten minutes, a little bit under eight minutes to really get through this. Um, so let's do it, fellas. All right. First up. Question number one. I want both of you to take a shot at this. I'll alternate the rest of the questions, though. 
Question number one, Jameis or Mariota, and why? PhD, you're up first. Jameis, yes, I lost the game. Yes, period. Mm. Well said. Good point. Good point. D. Wills, Jameis and Mariota, and why? And I just said I love Mariota, Mariota, but I'm going with Jameis. Uh, he performs under uh, brighter light. He hasn't lost. Um, and his offense requires him to make NFL throws. And I think this comparison is a lot like an RG3 to a Luck. Uh, Jameson is running a, a, a more of a pro-style offense right now, and he's, he's demonstrating that he can make those throws. All right, all right. This one, I, for me, I'm going Jameis as well. Um, Mariota, to me, is Achilles Smith um, all over again. I, that's you know that's what I see. I see a guy who good college quarterback, mobile, tall, lanky guy. I don't know if he's going to be a good pro. Um, I don't know if he's been asked to do the things he's going to do. And the NFL is a hard place to learn some of those basic fundamental things you got to do as a quarterback. Question number two, we'll start with you, D. Wills, and then we'll alternate from here. All right, next coach. Next coach to get fired. Wow, you put this one up here. It was one um, I, I had to it's, – it's, it's our guy in uh, Chicago. Um, you know, I think mm. he is is – I just think there's too much going on in Chicago. Um, and, I, you know, I think that um, – it's a short run, but I think that there's not enough depth going on there. There's not enough leadership being displayed. And so, you know, I, I think that I think that's probably the next one uh, on, the, on the board is Chicago. So uh, a quick follow-up question. So if Tressman is out, is Cutler staying? I think they're both out. I, mean, I, I think – Okay. Um, and, I, I, you know, I can talk about Cutler when we talk about Cutler later, but I think they're both out. I think people are sick of Cutler, and I just don't think they see the leadership in Tressman. I mean, Tressman's so job is going to help. I get so sick of Detroit. I'm, I'm sorry, Chicago Bear fans complaining about Jay Cutler. I do. He's not great, but list me two other quarterbacks you all have had that have been better than him in the last 30 years. You can't. You can't. You can't. And, you know, if you want to get rid of Jay Cutler, you best have a solid quarterback signed. Uh, you know, let Jay Cutler find out on Twitter, call him into the office, and let him go then. But he, he, Jay Cutler is not a great quarterback, but he's a lot better than what the Bears have had. I, I will comment on that later. I'll get to, when, we get to, when we get to that point, I got my response to Cutler stuff. And I'm not okay. a Bears fan. Okay. But my my response, okay. I agree with everything you said about the Cutler piece. Although I would say Harbaugh had a great – he didn't have it in Chicago. He had a better one in Indy, and that had a lot to do with the coach in Chicago, less to do with Harbaugh. But I would argue that one. Okay, okay, okay. okay. I mean, McMahon, maybe. I, and, you know, and I can sit yeah, here but, and just see Harbaugh but, and but, McMahon. But, but I would say the reason why – well, let me. Well, the reason, what makes him even big man? I mean, Harbaugh even better than, than Cutler is. You know, I'm tired of people defending Cutler and saying, "Well, um, 
he, you know, the defenses, he makes all the throws, he does all this stuff. But part of being a great quarterback is engaging in the game. Be, leave, there's a whole bunch of positions on the field where you can be aloof. Quarterback's not one of them. You can't be a head coach as a loser. You can't be a quarterback as a but but Eli, that's why he's up and down. He's not consistent. Great, you name me a great quarterback who is, who wasn't engaged. I'm not talking about fiery. I didn't say fiery. I said you cannot be. You can't be a, a quarterback and kind of look like you on the sideline like you everybody else. That's not how quarterbacks play. Do you? I'm not saying you got to be a yeller, but. The best thing Stephen A. says today, he said, the only time I've ever seen Jay Cutler smile is when he signed his contract. That says everything you're going to need to know about Jay Cutler. Picking apart Jay engage. Cutler's, picking apart his mannerisms is just too convenient when he's struggling. It is. It's not, it's not convenient. You, you, you tell me one time you watched Jay Cutler and felt like he had control of everybody on that offense. You tell me one time you uh, watch him and he, he looks like he's engaged. There's nothing that you can watch a quarterback when he's engaged. Color is far I can from watch, that. I can watch a full Sunday after, uh, afternoon of games, a full Sunday evening of games, and uh, a full Monday evening of games. And maybe not see more than one or two quarterbacks that I feel that have a full control of an offense. I mean, I just think it's just I, I'm too saying, I'm saying engaging. Name, name, name the top five quarterbacks and tell me whether or not are they the people who engage and you could who really are leading their team. Name me, you name the top five quarterbacks, they all lead that same way. See, uh, Devon, I am uh, so unorthodox when it comes with leading a team. I, <laughs> I feel that. Uh, in the NFL, you lead units. <laughs> you have multiple defensive leaders. You have folks in the defensive line, linebackers, uh, defensive backs. You have quarterbacks that lead a certain set of the offense. You have offensive linemen, often the centers, that lead a certain unit. If there's a leakage in any one of those three or four units, there is a feeling in which the focal point of the team, the quarterback, I agree with you there, is going to like be able to perform to. There, there's a clear ceiling. Three years ago, Jay Cutler got sacked six times and a half. <laughs> I mean, how successful can you be with that around you? And, 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 and if that, if after Tom Brady, what would he do? And he's had bad offensive linemen. What, what did Tom Brady do when he got sacked four times? We're arguing two different things. So let me ask me. Let, if you were to yeah, ask me. Let me Jay Cutler, is Jay Cutler a top 10 quarterback? I'd say no. Is Jay Cutler a top 20 quarterback? I'd say maybe. <laughs> but I'd also can you, can you win if you're in the top 10? How many people who are not in the top 10 can win? Yeah, I don't – I'm not a Jay Cutler fan. It just irritates me that people look at his mannerisms and point that to the reason why he's not successful. I'm like, come on. No, now, he, it's not his mannerisms, his actions. He, he plays like he doesn't care. And his teammate said it. His boy said it. His boy got on him about it. Wasn't us? His boy said, Brandon <laughs> said. So this is this is this is my this is where I stand on color. This is where I stand on yeah. color. All right? I'm kinda in the middle between you two. My thing is for all the talent he has, I need to see more production. Given the given his individual talent, but then also given the weapons that are around him. He has two of probably the top 15 receivers in the league on his roster. Um, he has one of the uh, – a very gifted tight end. 
he has one of the best running backs, and the offense struggles right now. Um, and he has he has the capacity to make all the throws and do all those things. There needs to be more production. Personality quirks aside, he's not productive. He needs to be more productive. That's a fact. The second thing is, is and this is where I fall in line with PhD, is that the question isn't whether if you put, because a lot of people say, well, if you put Brady in that offense, if you put Peyton Manning with those weapons, they will have a different result. Absolutely. But that's not what your reality is. Your reality is if you get rid of Jay Cutler, you're not getting Peyton Manning, right? You're not. So what are you going to get instead? And I think that's the thing that Bears fans have to come to terms with when they're calling for Cutler's head is that you may not be excited about Jay Cutler being your quarterback, but you also have to look at what your alternatives are. And like PAZ said, unless you've got a legitimate guy signed, sealed, and delivered, you got to kind of hang on to what you got until you do because it's still better than Tampa Bay's situation. It's better than the Raiders' situation. It's better than the Houston Texans' situation. It's better than a lot of teams' quarterback situation. It still may not be optimal. Absolutely. You get more production. They're going to get a lot of people fired. Y'all doing the Jeff George stuff. They're going to get a lot of people fired. Because that's going to be the rationale. No, he is because he's he's not productive. He is because he's not productive. At the end of the day, he's not productive. 90% 90 of the time, he holds the ball in his hands. You cannot hold But for me, that's what it's about. It's less about whether or not he cares, whether or not he's leading his team. I don't care if his teammates like him or not. Is he going out there and doing his job, which is getting the ball to the playmakers, getting the ball, getting people involved. Y'all play sports, and tentacles matter. Right, but they, they like matter. it when you give them the ball. <laughs> like, everybody likes That's the point funny. guard that gets to the ball. He's not getting people the ball. He's not being productive. But I don't know if that's a necessarily a personality issue or I'm not. He's just not making good throws. You can't have that much talent and be that lack that lack of production. That's all I'm saying. And he got yeah. lots to do with that. And I agree with you 100%, Devon. I do. I'm not a Jay Cutler fan. <laughs> like, Jay Cutler to me like, has like, all the man. tools. I, yeah. I mean, he has all the tools, but his decision-making sucks at times. And he holds on to the ball too long, and he's, you know, he's a mid-tier quarterback. But, what? like, who else do you have? Are you going to start RG3? Are you going to pick him up? Are you going to pick up Brian Hoyer or uh, – you know, Johnny Manziel. I mean, like, who are you going to pick up on the free agent market that's going to be better than Jay Cutler? And in, in most given years, nobody. That's what people felt they had Jeff George. And, and, and all that did was walk you right out of the office. But that's what it is, though. But that's the reality for Bears fans, you will. That is the reality. They're stuck. They sign this dude and you're stuck. It is what it is. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, you, you got you. You got to roll with this dude. I mean, you got to roll with Cutler. You know, give PAC last word because he's probably going to cut you out in the last word. I'm going to leave it alone. Go ahead, PAC. Microphone's all yours, man. Leave your smoking. You got a minute. (laughs) It was a good time. Good show tonight. Uh, Check out realsportsguys.com. Highlight us on Facebook, Twitter. Uh, Fun, fun, fun time tonight, fellas. That's my last word. Hey, the man said it all. Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Kwanzaa. Whatever you celebrate, enjoy yourself. Have a good time. Spend some time with your loved ones. 
we all will be doing that over this little break that we'll take. And we'll be back with you all on the other side of the new year. We will see you in 2015. Real Sports Guys signing off for 2014. Catch you on the other side. Peace. Maybe the Bears can get Jameis Winston. That's what I was trying to do. <laughs> <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> they have to get Cordell or whatever. Get your boy from Ohio State. <laughs>